system back in there. I want to all call people. They're like, all soldier, to the office, now. The whole company. Yeah, everyone, get up here, stand every, in the hallway and listen to me speak. Every classroom to the principal's office. To the principal's office. To the principal's office. Now. Right. Are you going to set yourself now. up in the principal's office? Is that going to um, be your? You know, it would make sense. Yeah. Okay. All right. In the secondary office. <laughs> if an employee's in trouble or something, yeah, right, I'll be right like, up, like yeah, report. principal's office. Now. Yeah. But uh, yes. Just sit in the uncomfortable I was, chairs. I was really upset. I was thinking of. I think I was thinking about it yesterday. I was really upset that I don't have the original microphone. Like I've got like the that old speaker. school one. Yeah. Yes, but I want the press the button. I'm sure you could I like find one it. on Reverb or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was gonna send an all call out to the town and be like, who took it? Put it back. <laughs> we need this. <laughs> there are no cameras right now. You no one will know off, but if you know where it is, I was like, you drop it back. Is that off. called like an amnesty box? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of all the school like, products. Who took the microphone? Yes, when put you it find back. it, I'm like, relocate it here. <laughs> there will be no issues. <laughs> so I think we already started recording. We did start recording because yeah, that was a good okay. conversation. Let's uh, so now we're on topic of the school. I want you to know the power of the underground. Just press down in this lever with your thumb, and then. We have a very special guest that we have to introduce. Oh, that's right. I forgot the intro. Yeah. As soon as you asked me if I wanted to do it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Dylan, do your thing. I'm freezing up now. Can't do it. Uh, (laughs) No, we have. uh, My name's Jen Tabor. I'm with. Oh, there we go. She did it for us. Perfect. <laughs> I was going to hype it up a little bit more because okay, sorry, Soldier ahead. Guitar Straps is not just guitar straps. It's the best damn guitar straps on the market. So, like, tell us a little bit about Soldier. Tell us a little bit about how it got started and let people properly grasp the scope of how awesome they are. Okay. You know? So, this all started 17, 16, 17 years ago. In 2004, I was playing in a band. I was teaching orchestra in the public schools in Chicago, and okay. the guys in the band have birthdays two days apart, sometime in the end of February and the beginning of March. So I decided that I would get them each a birthday present. I didn't want them fighting, so I made a guitar strap to suit each of their personalities, um, uh, just on a whim, because I've always been sewing. I've always been crafting. I always made stuff and just stuck it in Goodwill boxes if it didn't look good. <laughs> or I, you know, it's, uh, everyone around me has got something. Um, before the guitar strap, it was always something else. So I made them each a guitar strap, and I didn't have anything to put it on except for a recycled seatbelt because my dad worked on Studebakers, um, which is from around the area. The Studebaker factory yeah, was in South cool. Bend. So he collected Studebakers. At one point, he just was like, here, nobody knows what to do with this box of seatbelts. Here you have it. And it sat in my closet until I went to make these guitar straps. And I was like, oh, we've got this box of seatbelt. We'll just stick them on the seatbelt. It'll be sturdy enough. And that was the first guitar strap. And that was the start of the business. And it's pretty much been the same ever since. I had worked at a lot of music schools in Chicago because from the time I was 10, I knew I wanted to be an orchestra director. So if there was a job opening that had anything to do with music in high school, college, I was the first one there with, you know, ready to go. So I had worked at Old Town School Folk Music. I had um, just different places. And when I started making guitar straps, I figured that it was safe to go see if any of these former stores or places would be interested in buying them. And they said yes. Um, And so the first yes was game on. And then, then, you know, a couple weekends later, I went to St. Louis. I called five stores. I wanted to see if they said yes. They said yes. Then I went home and made them. And I was probably about, a, in the first year we were in business, I walked into 300 retailers oh, wow. with a okay. bucket of guitar straps and just face-to-face asked the owner if they would buy them. And it was either a yes or no. I got mm-hmm. yeses and I got noes. But yeah. every yes just <clears throat> propelled me to go to the next town. And then we started showing up at the trade shows and... Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Has now we're here. Since and then. Every, every no is kicking themselves right now, or they <laughs> yeah. gave you a call back a few months yeah. later. And yeah. <laughs> well, I would make sure I was like, if you say no to me now, that's fine. I'm like, but we will have this conversation again. <laughs> there I'm you like, go. I there we go. Give up. I'm like, yeah. And then I really started. Um, I realized that we had something to sell 
when I think it was like in 2006, we wanted to be in Lollapalooza at, they had a green street. And I was like, oh man, if we were only green. And I came home from teaching one day and was like, wait, we are green. We're using recycled seatbelt. We're making things in the U.S. And um, we yeah. have these original vintage fabrics from the 60s and 70s, which that's another piece to the story, the the fabrics. But um, once we realized we were green, then we had to quickly build out a line before we showed up at Lollapalooza. And so we made camera straps, dog collars, belts, headbands, guitar straps. And it, that's when uh, almost immediately we were trying to transform into a lifestyle brand. This was all like within the first two years. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So, like, prior to doing the Lollapalooza, like you said, you had to get a line ready, right? Like, were you just doing it, like, per order? You were just making stuff on the fly, like, per order? Or was it, like... I've always made things by... I make something. I show up in front of the public. I let the public pour over it. They Mm -hmm. tell me, without knowing that it's me, whether they, A, like it, B, don't like it, think it needs to be changed, what modifications need to happen... And I would just store all that information, and before I showed up for the next event, I would make the changes and bring back a better product to the next event. So everything has always, all of our products has always started with me designing things that I would want for myself. And then, you know, as far as fit, sizing, lengths, all the tweaks, uh, the customer usually gives me the feedback about what they like and what they don't like, and then I listen to them because they're the buyer. Right. Yeah, they're exactly. the one who's telling me what they want, and um, if I make their changes, then I grow my audience. So yeah. it was just easy. No-brainer. So yeah. Ground-level market research right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we started showing up to all the Bonnaroo's and Lollapalooza's, Coachella, Austin City Limits. We did that for uh, – uh, 10 years even this year i went back to pilgrimage um which was in nashville maybe two months ago that was a blast i love connecting with the customer i love knowing who they are i love telling them our story Mm -hmm. i love it when they don't think that it's me and they think it's some you know like a big corporation somewhere else and i'm like no it's me it's me and it's her it's the girl (laughs) they just starstruck when they realize like you're you're, you started soldier straps you invented it i don't know i don't have no idea some maybe some of them are or I, yeah, I have no idea. But I'm just as amazed in those places that they like my stuff. <laughs> I'm just like, you still like it. That's great. You know? Yeah. Um, so. Well, at this point, too, is it like you're getting invited from some of the artists that play yours? Because, I mean, it's a pretty extensive list of anybody who's anybody in music really has got a soldier strap on their guitar or whatever. So is that kind of like your. Um, well, if I was going to pick uh, a show, I'd, if to, you know, we're not a uh, fit everywhere. There's audiences that are not my fit. Yeah. So I go to where my audience is because I am, I am a member of my own audience. And it took me a long time to realize that one of the reasons this situation with me and Soldier and the people that use Soldier is because I am one of my own people. You know, I'm, the, yeah. I'm part of the same club. Exactly. Essentially. And Soldier's kind of a roping in of like minded individuals. So usually when I'm with Soldier, I meet my friends. And yeah. sometimes it's artists, but even the fans, like we're all the same people. Half of, I've been backstage with artists and um, walked out. I've been there and I'm like, yeah, they're idiots. They're just the rest. <laughs> they're just like the rest of us. You know? names? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Who specifically is an I idiot? Know. No. <laughs> they're lovable idiots. But um, so, you know, and it's just like the rest of us, like they're still fighting backstage about ridiculous stuff and <laughs> you know somebody spilled my beer or whatever yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, um and that just is you know super humbling it just brings you back down to we're all yeah in this together kind They're of people just like us yeah yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well it's kind of funny we had a similar experience obviously we were just talking about how we've been doing this for a little over a year mm-hmm. now but um, when we started, we we're like, yeah, we'll do this for fun. And you know, our parents will listen to it and it'll yeah. be cool. And then all of a sudden we were like, oh, like people are like us and they like listening to new music and finding, you know, local bands and stuff like that. And it kind of grew from that point of being like, oh, like, like you said, you're, you're your own customer, right? Yes. Like it's, yes, there's other like-minded people like us who are thinking the same way that we are and like actually want to listen to what we say and stuff like that. And I think that was like the 
biggest point for us to be like, oh, like we're we're onto something, you know? Yeah, because yeah, we just kind of create content that we want to see, mm-hmm. you know, because we all like guitar pedals and we like guitars and amps and anything to deal with the music scene and that whole thing, even venues, it, it just all kind of connects and we just put stuff out that we like, really. That's It's that simple. Yep. Everyone else likes it too. It's working so far. It's, that's the key for a lot of things, isn't it? Well, I mean, it was great how you guys found me the same way where you were like, hey, do you want to do a podcast? We're like in your end. I was like, oh, yeah, great. Let's do a podcast. And we saw you about the school. I was like, oh, okay, fantastic. Come, yeah. come on over. So speaking of the school, tell us a little bit about that. Like, what's the... Okay, so... I know you've got some secrets you've got around the school that you want to you wanna keep on the down low for right now, but uh, the basic overview that you can share with the public and tell well, so we were manufacturing in Chicago for uh, from 2005 until about, what is it, 2017. Mm-hmm. And then in 2017, um, the funny thing is, is the reason we moved, we moved in Chicago every two years for about, I don't know how long that is, that's 12 to 13 years. Every two years I had to pack up all my stuff and move oh, to a new neighborhood. that's fun. You like <laughs> barely get set up and then have to move exactly. again. Exactly, oh, and we would have employees <laughs> ready to go, and then I'd be like, oh, now work's 40 minutes away, we're in a new neighborhood. All of the employees would leave, we'd have to restaff. It was just, yeah. I was like, we need to find a forever home. And it was really because Chicago, every neighborhood we'd move to would be gentrified. And then we would be, as a business, kicked out of the neighborhood because they're like, but the tech company is coming in. And I was like, ah, I can't compete with the yeah, tech company exactly. yeah. and like how much they can pay for rent. So we would move to a new area. And I think the last place we were at before we moved to Michigan, um, they said, Mr. Bussy is selling Bussy Woods. And there are two properties that drive into Bussy Woods for the trucks. You know, there's two places. And your building is one of the two buildings that we're going to tear down so that the construction. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. I'm like, I thought we were here forever. So I was like, we have to find a long-term spot. And we started looking and then um, ended up in Buchanan, Michigan, which is just over the border from Indiana. We're about five minutes from South Bend and kind of, you know, on that uh, West Coast. No, I guess... We're on the east coast of Lake Michigan. So we moved up here. And um, yes, now now we're manufacturing here. So we started looking for a place like where we can really build out the vision of Soldier. So, so I want a, 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 a location that I can communicate back to my customer, like the destination location, the hub where all the things come together. You know, we can bring people in. We can be more than online. We can be more than a wholesaler carried in other stores. You know, we can start to bring in some of our friends who make product and really just build out this whole lifestyle and have like an interactive place where people could come see shows or participate in classes and all this stuff. And Somebody in town, um, our business div- director, Rich Murphy, said, why don't you make Old Town School of Folk Music? And it, that goes all the way back to the first store I walked into, yeah. which was Old Town School of Folk Music. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I should do that. And then there's a school down the street that had been vacant for 10 years. And I walked into the school. I saw it. It's a time capsule from 1950s with all the original crap in it and all the dirt. <laughs> and I was like, this is my dream. So yeah. um, over the last three months, we've been looking at the school, buying the school. And um, the more I I think a lot while I'm driving around in my car, you know, that time where like your hands are doing something and you're, you're free and your mind can just wander. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love that time. And so I was doing that and I was like, well, you know, we could do a job training center. We've got a classroom now. We could do job training. We could get adults in. We could get the high school kids and we can get all these people roped in and like have them doing stuff. And then we can do something that's more meaningful than you know, make a guitar strap, we can actually be training and educating people. And then with my background before this, I was, like I said, I was an orchestra director. Now we could use some of our instruments and some of our connections to bring in instruments, teachers, classes. We can get kids in. I've always wanted to do this like campfire guitar because there's so many adults who want to play guitar and they're like, you know, they just want to play eight songs around the campfire. Song, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. And then, you know, just be, a good the, idea. Yeah, yeah. I'd be yeah. the hero for the day. <laughs> yeah, so right. it's like we could start campfire guitar classes. So I think there's just not only can Soldier be in the school, which will give us a destination hub and like a classroom for video and 
um, you know, photo and rooms for the offices. We can manufacture there, but then we can also have this way to like impact the community and give people a reason to come and experience soldier as a whole, not just the guitar straps, but yeah. the brand, the lifestyle, and and all the people that are with it. Yeah, like it represents something other than just being a material object. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it has some value to it. Yeah, and I think after being in business at this point, we like I said, we've been in business for sixteen and, or seventeen years. You know, I want to do, I want to keep doing what I'm doing, but I just want to continue to get better, and I want to. Um, at the end of the day, I really want to make people have better lives, however that is, whether it's feeling good about yourself playing an instrument or whether it's, you know, growing your skills and just some kind of joy. Yeah. I just want to, I just want to empower the people around me in which, some way, which must be crazy for you bringing a, I mean, you're, you're a pretty big company at this point coming into a, a smaller town and doing all these community things that you have the potential to change the community. Almost drastically. Yes. Yeah. I, yes. Is that the hope? I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm trying to do anything uh, to their, to the community here. It, It will happen, but it's more just providing the opportunity. You know, there's also the thing when you move into a small town, um, they already are established the way they are. So whether they want me or not, you know, <laughs> kind of like they may not necessarily want to have a music school, but they're going to have one and that will subsequently people will get involved and it will kind yeah. of morph who we become, but it's not my goal is to come in and change them. It's just more to provide opportunities because having traveled and having been everywhere and, ha- and seeing so much of the country and, and meeting all these great people, you know, what if you're from like a little town and you don't have that opportunity and you don't fit in and you don't have a place? Well, it's more like give, we're, let's let's give all these people who don't have a home, they're going to have a new home and they're going to be celebrated and they're not going to feel like outcasts. And that is rewarding in itself is just to make that hub where, mm-hmm. you know, it's welcoming for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And I know like you're you're talking about um you know, you have access obviously we, we toured the school a little bit and there's some cool stuff in there with the the music class and stuff like that. Yeah. Um and I just think that's awesome cuz it's, you know, growing up I was very lucky that my parents could afford to get me a guitar and I could learn to get into music and I know not everybody has that opportunity and I think music is such an important thing like shaped who I am as a person. Obviously we're sitting here as Yes. Yeah. Um proof of that but uh I, I think that's just such a cool idea that like you have this hub of opportunity whether it's job training or you know music education and stuff like that that's creative such a huge yeah it's such a unique idea to just have like everything in one place like you know like yeah. you said a place that people can come and find joy in yeah. different ways you know well the funny thing is it's like everything in your life comes back too because before i was a teacher I used to work outside the Lathrop homes at this Lathrop Community Music Center. And I was like 21 and the executive director for the non-for-profit music school. I was a teacher there. That's how I made money when I was in college. I would teach lessons. We had orchestras and stuff. It was like around Logan Square and uh, in Chicago. She had to step down from being the executive director. And she's like, do you want to be the executive. She had emergency life issues. She, do you want to be the executive director? I said, yes. And you were 21 <laughs> at the time. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Like yeah, right? I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, sure. I'm like, I'll figure this out. And uh, actually, it was, it was on its way out. And I realized that my job was actually to close it out. My job was to do the thing that she couldn't do, which was the funding was being cut. I don't remember what year it was, but it was a bad year for the arts. And the funding was being cut. And the classes... We, I was there for about 18 months and had to slowly, you know, wean the school to a close. And, but in that 18 months I was there, I really just uh, started to understand how it, how running a non-for-profit works. I started to understand how, um, how we were able to give kids free instruments. And it's as simple as this. We took in instrument donations. We gave, uh, we got donations of financial donations from our large scale arts organizations. The kids got free instruments and we paid the teachers with the money that we had. So the teachers were never complaining. 
because they were always well paid and taken care of. And the, every kid had a free instrument. And we serviced the kids in the projects that were right across the street. So, you know, in Southwest Michigan, there's, uh, you may not know, but there, there's been a lack of opportunity here. It's kind of been quiet for a long time. I mean, definitely recently that's changed with the cannabis industry, but we still have a long standing history here of just, you know, maybe not having as many resources as we do in Chicago for sure. Yeah. And so I saw that whole opportunity come back again with the school. It's like, look, now we're one of the people who are working with these larger organizations. We might be able to get in a few guitars and I might be able to get somebody to give me $800 to pay a teacher to teach a kid how to play an instrument. So now we can do the same thing we were doing at the projects in Chicago, but we can do it here where we can put free instruments in kids' hands, pay the teachers, and then we have a music school. That's yeah. where that, yeah. So we, it's definitely, you know, and the people who can pay, that'll always help, but um, it's definitely going to hopefully help anybody who can't pay because that should never be a barrier to right. participation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of us were lucky, and and to be able to provide that to people that aren't as lucky is one of the biggest things. I mean, that could change someone's life. Like, look at us now. Yeah, it's it's funny. You don't think of how far music can go, but uh, I mean, you're teaching through music. You're teaching people how to sew, and <laughs> and that all stems back from the music part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of steps. It is a lot of steps. Yeah, yeah. I've totally just been into this whole idea of creating your own ecosystem lately. Um, whether it's, you know, all the people that are involved, you know, from the artists to the fans to this podcast to, you know, the the people who are sewing um, to the people that we're going to train to sew and get them in, you know, that's one ecosystem. And then you know, even in our product is like <clears throat> bringing in raw materials, turning them into something, every, working with the stores, building the brand that way to create the, that structure that can help us fund these other things. It's just like all these wheels are going and that is like truly exciting to have just so many people involved, even if they're not sitting here during the day, it's like, you guys are really helping me tell the story right now. And that's great. (laughs) (laughs) We appreciate you having us here. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, So I know you talked about, I want to backtrack a little bit. I know you talked about being in a band and making straps for your bandmates. And that's kind of how this whole thing started rolling as a musician. Like, where did you get into music? Where did that kind of like, what influenced you? And like, what I'm, I'm always very curious about, um, you know, stuff that's not exactly, I'm a professional musician and this is my influences, but you know, I think that that kind of stuff can play a role as well in the way that you design stuff. And so I'm curious where as, a music fan that kind of played a role. Um, when I was in second grade, we got a piano. Mm-hmm. I want. I had one. I must have said I wanted to pay, play piano when we was. I was in second grade. We got a piano, and um, I was in love with the piano. And then I had a great teacher come over. His I don't even know his last name. His name name was Larry. Larry <laughs> came over every day or once a week from like second grade to seventh grade, he brought me all pop hits and on the piano didn't make me do anything that was real on the piano because he was a jazz musician. And I know he was driving. I know he made absolutely no money coming to my house to teach me piano lessons. But um, I would just be like banging out songs on the piano and singing while I played. And my dad would come in with a guitar and, you know, we'd just be sitting Mm -hmm. there doing that. And then fifth grade, I started playing the cello. And I had all kinds of emotions about the cello. The cello (laughs) was a warm fire. The cello was this. The cello was this. And I was a super dorky, nerdy kid in fifth grade and did not fit in and didn't know what to do with myself. And my cello was my refuge. It was like I was automatically good at it. I, you know, I could practice a little and get pretty far um my orchestra teacher i just want i would stay after every day of school and file papers for her um so and and it was probably in fifth grade when i started playing the cello that i was going to become an orchestra teacher that was it there was nothing else and then i just followed that path until that happened um so it's kind of started with the piano and then the cello high school i started playing the guitar guitars um you know cello related yeah and then uh once i went to music school i at depaul 
I started playing all the other string instruments, and now I'm just a string player. I haven't played. My I swapped the string playing for sewing. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't played in a long time, but I'm sure it's like riding a bicycle, right? <clears throat> yeah, maybe. I don't know. I might not have those the left arm muscles. It's gonna get real <laughs> weak. Fast. I'll have to build that one up again. <laughs> but yeah, I was just enamored with that stuff right away. And then, does any of that inspire the designs that you make for those guitar straps? Um, the I don't I don't know if it comes directly from that. I mean, it I definitely have always loved stuff from the seventies. Okay. Um, and probably you know I grew up in the eighties, so there's a lot of like. I love the vintage roller skate is always an inspiration for me, you know, and just like, um, I don't know. I wonder if it's sometimes the things that you see in your childhood. Like I remember we had a hideous velvet couch. Do you remember? I don't, you guys probably never had velvet couches. We had a velvet couch. Have a velvet it couch. was no. Sienna green, uh, mustard and like, that pukey orange color. It was like all those seventies <laughs> colors and it was velvet burnout. And, um, so I don't know if that stuff just like comes back because it's somewhere in my brain, um, that that's where it comes from. But I don't know where my sense of style comes from. My mom used to buy me stuff and I would just tell her if you're going to buy me something, just find the ugliest thing you can find <laughs> and I will be good with that. But you know, I also like in high school was totally into Nirvana and Nirvana and you know the whole grunge scene when I was in high school was a complete throwback to like the 1970s. We all wore the Mr. Rogers button-ups, you, you know. <laughs> we were all like shopping the, at the cardigans and, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the plaid <laughs> pants, like that was cool. For Halloween we uh <laughs> we went to uh Laura's brewery for the end of the only party. <laughs> yeah. I dressed as grunge. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, the yeah. plaid shirt wrapped around my waist. I wore the hat. I had long hair last week. You had a MTV shirt on too MTV from like 90s. Yeah. We didn't even get an MTV shirt. It's Amazon. all back. I mean, yeah, that's Amazon. what they're wearing right now. Well, know, well, that was one of the things we were talking about. I looked at myself in the mirror. I'm like, I look like the person just walking down the street yeah, on Tuesday. Yeah, it's not yeah. a costume. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah because exactly. I think what I, uh, I got now. invited to a Halloween party too and they were like it's like uh like what it was, uh, Greg's. But he yeah, was like, the um, '90s. Yeah, they're like, oh, it's '90s themed, so you know, like, dress normally. Today, and I'm like, yeah, oh, I was okay. like, oh, so <laughs> I'll wear my flannel that I like to wear when it's yeah. it's cold out. Yeah, <laughs> with my with my Metallica T-shirt yeah. underneath yeah. it, yeah. and yeah. We'll, <laughs> we'll be good. <laughs> the black, <edible. laughs> which is really great for your vintage straps. I mean, that style is back better than ever, <laughs> and it's yeah. it's called vintage now, is the '90s. That's weird. Yeah, that was what. I'm talking more about ago. the '60s vintage straps yeah. and designs. Well, yeah, let's see. That's like 30 years, and this is 30 years, right? Yeah. yeah. So in 30 years, I'm going to be the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Another 30 years. <laughs> 2040? Oh, no, the 2050. 2050 off the chain. So that's the pattern. Yeah, yeah that's how it, it works. Figured it out. Yeah, I just got to get, so next I got to get back to like the 80s. Yeah, 80s are back too, right? Yeah, that's coming back. Yeah, so yeah, what do we okay. do next? So the next thing is you just got to come Neon up. Neon colors. Yeah, we got to well, come up with whatever you have to. I was thinking like when was uh, Stop Making Sense from Talking Heads and start selling really big suits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 87. That's like, is that 87? I don't know. That's what I heard. Just Hold really on. thick straps. But this is why we need an intern to research some stuff. <laughs> we have an intern. We just lost him. Yeah, we lost him. We, ha we have an intern. It's in He's my He's getting pocket. educated at school. Yeah. That's where he is. That's, uh, that's I want to say 84. I was just going to say. Okay. Okay, it was off. 1984. So that's what you want. You want the, the big suits. Giant suits. Okay. I want to. Uh, and the skinny tie. That. Yeah. The pencil tie yep. and the big suit. And I just want to do like that weird dance that uh, he did in the movie. Yes. You can do that. I mean, yeah, we yeah. won't, but. I'll film it. You could. Yeah, there yeah, we I'll go. That's it. cool. That's cool with me. <laughs> you do you. <laughs> Robert Palmer had this. Uh, I can't remember what the name of the song was. He had this iconic video sometime in the 80s. And they were like these really pale girls. And they were, were like short mini skirt dresses. And they had a guitar. And they were just like kind of sway side to side. And they were like super sexy. And um, everybody, everybody would know this video. And my mom would always be like, why don't you be one of those girls for Halloween? I was like, Mom, I'm not. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is her, Her even now, her greatest idea is that we be a Robert Palmer girl from <laughs> this video back. I'm like, no one knows who that is anymore, Mom. She's, yeah. Or why that's, yeah. yeah. She's just, just. See, this is why I love doing the podcast, because, like, I 
get that 100%? Because most of the time, my references don't land. Like, <laughs> nobody else would have been like, yeah, oh, yeah, the talking heads, yeah. Well, you, no. have, to, you have to understand, you but listen these to are, very obscure things and like obscure things. Yeah. I mean, but, but these are my like, people, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. That's, this is well, talking, how it works for me. The talking heads, I will never forget the American apparel guy doing the dance to the talking heads. I think that was, have you seen that video? I don't think I, I don't have. Think no. I either. Oh, okay, maybe. We're going to look that up. We're going to look it up now. <laughs> yeah, sure it will forever answer. change your view of uh, this is the place. Ooh. Is that what it is? That's, that's one of my favorite song? songs. Yeah, like it changed it in a good way or a bad way? It, you'll just remember it. Should he watch it if he loves that song? I if it's know, one of my favorite songs, should I watch it? Depends on what your sense of humor is. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have Christian I, I watch it. I think it's it the video that got him fired from American Apparel. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe don't watch it then. We'll watch it and we'll tell you. Yeah, you yeah, guys fill me in later. Yeah. yeah. We'll yeah. figure it out. You'll just keep know what not to do to keep your podcast going. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll <laughs> we've, we've figured we've, that out. We've been ah. testing the waters trying to figure it out, but... I'll just put some headphones put on, on and listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. No, it is funny. We we talk about things on the phone all the time. Like we're just talking regularly, and we're like, we cannot do episodes on this. Yeah. It cannot come out to the public. Yeah. We've had that happen a few times where we're just like, yeah, recording something. Like, okay, we just need to record like a fifteen minute intro, whatever, and then it'll be like three hours later, and we're like, oh, we're recording, and this none of this should be released. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, there are. I can send you to podcasts where you can just air all your laundry, and uh, you will probably be encouraged. I don't know. I think we're trying we'll to probably be the cleaner clean. podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you exactly. Yeah. And then this happens. We get way off topic. Sorry. No, that's our fault. We do this every single time. I participated yeah. in that. No, I love it. No, it's it. A, it was music related. Okay, we're good. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So anyway, let's keep rolling. Yeah, <laughs> but I wanted to uh, specifically talk about that. And on the your website, you have a picture of you and Steven Tyler with some headbands, yeah. and it was involved with like the rock and roller coaster at Disney. Oh yeah, yeah. I just wanted to shed more light on it because I've been on that ride. It's awesome. So did you see my stuff in the in the gift shop? See, I was like nine, so probably okay. Okay. went right past it. But yeah, um, so. I had somebody come up to me at one time in Chicago and this really soft spoken person called and said, I work with an artist. Can you meet me at this hotel on Saturday morning? Very sketchy. Like, hmm. <laughs> uh, okay. So <clears throat> there was like no disclosure. Um, <laughs> so I went anyways, cause <laughs> why not? Um, and I got there and the, it was the person in charge, the gentleman was in charge of the Aer- Aerosmith, and they were in town. So um, he and I became friends. He was super into all the vintage stuff, and he would be like, do you have the strap? Just in a very soft voice, do you have the strap for, you know, that Jeff Beck wore? And I was like, we do. <laughs> you know, you got to Mr. Steven them. Tyler, yes, we do, don't worry. Oh, that wasn't Steve. <laughs> oh, so okay, then, um, I got you. So then we started, we started this relationship, and then I went out to – uh, Rhode Island for a music festival. This is like three years later. I went out to Rhode Island for a music festival. And he calls me, my contact over at Aerosmith who calls me. He's like, uh, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm driving around Rhode Island right now. He's like, well, it's so funny because Aerosmith's back in their, uh, their home office in Massachusetts and Boston. And I was like, oh, well, I'm actually going to do a store visit. I'm going to be in Boston like the next day. So they said, well, can you get up there a couple days? Can you get up there two days early? And I said, yes, I can. So I drove to Boston and followed the directions, went to Aerosmith studio and met Steven Tyler. And (laughs) Steven Tyler, I have so many greats. I have, well, I don't have so many, but I have a couple great Steven Tyler. He is just as manic in person as you would expect. He is like, Comes up to me and they go and somebody goes in and gets him. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm just kind of standing there and he, they're he's like, "What are you doing driving around in your car?" And I was like, "I just they told me to come here, so now that's, I'm here." That's how I get I places. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Just in here now. And he's like, "Well, have, he's like, what? He's like, and you're just selling guitars? Yes, I'm just selling guitar shops. He's like, "Well, what do you got in there?" And he starts ruffling through all the things. He's like trying on headbands. He's like, "I'm taking this. I'm taking this." I was like, "Okay." And then he starts just slipping hundreds in my back pocket. 
and, <laughs> and I was, uh, yeah, and I was like, uh, okay. That and should then, be enough. That's yeah, amazing. I was like, you don't have to do that. And he's like, be quiet. And he just stick me another hundred in my back pocket. The best is, he's like, he's like, you're too, you know, he like said something nice to me. And then he's like, do you want to see the studio? And I can see all of the engineers and stuff. They're like, oh, um, I got the cult, the groan, the group groan mm-hmm. of like, here's Steven grabbing another random person to like take him. Then I was like, sorry, guys. So he runs me through. He's showing me his original Woodstock flyer, which or um, tapestry that he's got on the wall there. Wow. He's running me through this and this and this. And I kind of, you know, they're there to record and Steven's wasting as much time as he can possibly <laughs> waste before they make him do work. So the best thing is, is on the way over, I was like, oh, my God, I'm not ready to see. I was like, I should. I've been at like outside camping festivals and whatever. I'm like, I'm look terrible. I figured I would just stop at the guest or, you know, Rite Aid and get a nail polish. And like, <laughs> so I'm driving to Boston, painting the nails in the car to like do the makeup in the car so I can get ready. I get there. And the last thing right before I leave, they're like, okay, Steven's got to get within. He's like, all right, all right, I'm coming in. He walks me back out to the car and then he shakes my hand. He flips my hand over. He looks at my nose. He goes, who the hell do you let do that to you? And I was like, and they're like, get inside. And I was like, I'm sorry. And I was, I didn't want to mention him and his nails and stuff. Like, but I, I, I was just like, yeah. In the last 30 seconds of our meeting, Stevens like told me to go get my fingers done properly and not just show up. <laughs> Some way to end it. He he calls you out on the one thing you're like, I'm just trying to hide it. Are you serious? Like, who would even see that? Of course, you saw that. Um, But then there was another time we were uh, down at a downstairs underneath at the like the dressing rooms at a big arena, and we had met up with Aerosmith again. And Stephen had a new album coming out, and in the 30s. I, it wasn't even 30 seconds. In the 10 seconds of passing his dressing room, I just walked past. I glanced, and I was going to talk to somebody else. I glanced in his dressing room, and it is over the loudspeakers, his new album playing. He's on the microphone singing. There's 10 photographers in the room taking pictures of Steven singing to his own music on the radio, and he's just posing and living it up. And it was the best split second. You walk past somebody's dress, you're like, this is exactly what I want you to do. I just want you to be basking in the glory of your own music with like 10 photographers before stage. Yeah, right. just just That's before you, you hop on stage, I mean, yeah. Just yeah. before you hop on stage, and you know, yeah, shirt off, posing, all the stuff, just true rock star, and that, yeah, and that's what we love him for. That's what we want yeah. him to do. Yeah. I wouldn't want to. It makes do me so else. happy that he's that way. Yeah. Like that, he's what fantastic. we think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah, he's, he's a, a real I'm, rock star. I'm yeah. Lucky to see him live once at. Uh, it was called the t- was Tinley Park. What yeah. they used to no, call it's still Tinley Park. It's, it's like the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater oh, now. Is it? Oh, it's Tinley Park. Yeah, it's Tinley Tinley Park. Park. yeah so I'm there with uh, Slash and his new band. So I got to see Errol oh. Smith before they uh, stopped touring for a while when I saw them. So Yeah, you know those, those, cl- those like true timeless bands? Like they're just, I love seeing them now. They're just, they've, they're so, their skills are so honed. They're just in it. You know, and they're only there to like make everybody scream. And I remember being in like the front row, and the lady con- comes next to me, and she's like, "What'd you have to do to get your seats up here?" And I was like, "Oh shit!" You know, excuse me. I'm sorry. You see all the cloth on Stephen's <laughs> microphone? That's my product. Yeah, yeah. Right? I was like, I tied his ribbons on his microphone stand. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. But you um, know? yeah, you're 100 percent right though. Like I went and saw. The Rolling Stones a few years ago, and it was just like, wasn't that? It's at, just uh, all yeah, Daytona, right? Or no, 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 no. Uh, um, Indy, Indy. Yeah, it was at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. They had it all shut down in the infield, and it was just like, just a whole nother level from any concert you've ever seen. Like one of those giants of rock or something like yes. that. It's just like, like you said, they're, they're so well honed. I mean, Mick Jagger's a thousand years old, and. Yes. still, yeah. but it's cool because they have like the money to put the show on as well as perform the music that they had written, and it it just adds all yeah. the elements. I well, mean, the Pink Floyd show that we went to, remember? Roger Waters. Or Roger, yes, Roger Waters. He doesn't like David Gilmore anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're not friends. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, they Roger Waters puts on an insane live show. That's another one that's just yeah. he's been doing it for how long that? Yeah, 
yeah. we talked about this like a few episodes ago. Rock stars just aren't the same anymore. Where was it the Who that destroyed their equipment every single yeah, night? And yeah, the manager would have to go buy all new equipment <laughs> for every show. Yeah. Well, I was the, I was at one of those Who concerts. I took my dad because it's my dad's favorite band, so I took him to a Who concert, and it was I was like felt the same way. I was like so glad. Like I was like. Oh, the who! I've been hearing them since I was like a kid. Oh. And then I got there, and it was just—it was every bit as magical as I wanted it to be. Even though they're not, but you know, I think that like it's just so cool when you get past the point of like you're famous, and then you, you know, and then you've lived, and then you come back, and they're really on stage for their fans at this mm-hmm. point, you know? And even when Steven Tyler's, however old he is, is like hitting on the ladies in the front row of the audience. And so <laughs> is the bass player. I mean, we're all living for that stuff. You know what I mean? That's what we want to happen. Yeah. And yeah, and it's just, they're, yeah, they're just there completely for their fans. I'm sure. And for money a little bit, but um, money. I mean, some of those got like, I'm sure at this point it's for the fans. They, but yeah, good yeah. on the money. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I know. And there's, there's even now, there's, there's even bands on the, and their Instagram, they're always complaining. Like with 2020, they're like, we need to go on the road. Like I have such a bad itch. Like it's worse than like, oh, we have a break from a tour we just did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like scratching and clawing to find a show to do. Well, I got some places where we can have shows. Oh really? <laughs> we can have shows at the school. Yeah, yeah let's do it. <laughs> funny enough, we uh, were dabbing into uh, dab dabbling dab- into uh, stabbing. Yeah, yeah, you're dabbing in something. Okay. Um, <laughs> I know we're in Michigan, Christian. <laughs> I lost my whole train of thought. We're trying we, to learn how we to are dabbling. Now. Oh, promoter. Yeah. Promoter, yeah. Promoter, concert promoter, yeah. things like that. We're we're learning that. So, should we start that whole sentence over again? No, that's good enough. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The don't cut it. <laughs> to, I, I don't cut things out of the I podcast. Heard the That's first work. Thing you have to do to promote a concert is to announce that you have a venue. Yeah, we they don't have a venue. Step so. number one. <laughs> is that is this like a three step plan? Well, that that was <laughs> mine. Step, step I was like, profit. how do you get people to start coming? I called one of my friends who used to run Thalia Hall. I was like, how do you get people to start coming to your um, event? And she said, you just let people know that you have a venue. And I was like, oh, okay, that's great. Yeah, I there we go. That. So all I have to do is like put a sign up and say, venue here, call a few people. <laughs> I think that's how that and works. people will start showing up. Build it and they will come. Maybe not. It probably takes a little more work than that, but she well, made it sound pretty simple. We'll figure out the other the step two and we'll let you know. Yeah. 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 We don't have a venue. She, we don't have a step one. You or a step two. We just know step venue. three is profit. Yeah. So. <laughs> but uh, we love Dolly Hall, actually. We, that yeah. was, we were there uh, last week for a concert. So my friend Sarah used to work at Gruen's Guitars. Oh, really? And, in Nashville. And mm-hmm. then she moved up to, um, did tour, toured with, uh, for a while with a bunch of different people, got tired of it, ended up in Chicago running Thalia Hall. I'm not sure exactly what her title was, but she was very important at Thalley Hall. Yeah. And then, uh, shameless plug, she just started Mom and Dad's Music down and moved back. And I think she's in Clarksville. I'm going to get that wrong. <laughs> she's in, she's outside <laughs> of... Google. Uh, yeah. um, Help us out here, Google. Memphis <laughs> and, uh, Mom, at Mom and Dad's Music, and they are killing it. Um, did she start that? Yeah, Mom and Dad's. That's such a good name. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Isn't it? Clarksville. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah, Clarksville. Because it's the crossroads, right? Um, maybe. Oh, that. Uh, I thought that yeah. was Mississippi. No. It Are there different crossroads? We're talking about the Robert Johnson crossroads. Yeah, Robert Johnson crossroads. I thought that was Mississippi. I thought that was. I thought, that was, yeah, I thought that was Mississippi. Isn't it on the edge of Nashville? Uh, of down by Memphis. Hold on, Google number two. Map. Map. <laughs> Can you Google crossroads? You know what? I think there's like, it's like, uh, like debated though, isn't it? Like there's different people. For the listeners, that's where Robert Johnson met the devil and learned how to play guitar, basically, right? Maybe he just got really good, you know, got really good. Great teacher. On the year (laughs) off that he was wandering around. Maybe. I mean, that, that makes sense, but that doesn't make as good of a story. He took guitar lessons and got really good and became great. I mean, what if the devil was just like a really Good guitar teacher. That was the teacher. Yeah, this yeah. is that was the teacher. History so was <laughs> misread. According to this, uh, Highway sixty one and Highway forty nine in Clarksdale, Coma County, Mississippi. According to the legend, this is mm. like 
the cross. Okay, so then sorry, then it's not Clarksville, it's Clarksdale. I got it mixed up. That's pretty close. Very close. Dale, same mm-hmm. thing. I know Clark anything. <laughs> so I learned something. Clark oh, something. Yeah, I watched all the documentaries on that. It's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, was, I just saw the one that you recommended. That was, what was it on Netflix? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was like a quick, one. like 40 minute one on Netflix. It's really that cool. It was kind of cool. Yeah. I guess some guys like digging into like public records and health records, finding literally anything that could connect it. Like it's just pretty cool. And yeah. the perspective uncle or like the That's second a, generation cousin. Like it's such a them. weird thing though yeah. that has influenced music so much. Like there's even bands that, Today are writing song. What's um, the Stone Foxes? I think the band is has uh-huh. a song called "I Killed Robert Johnson." No, it's not. yeah, and it's like, but it's it's a decent song, but it's uh, yeah, it's like this whole. So they want to be the devil. Well, did the devil kill? Who how did Robert him? Johnson die? Yeah, how did he die? Uh, bar fight. Yeah, according to yeah. The so that's that's exactly <laughs> yeah. what the song is about. Yeah. Is like from the perspective yeah. of the guy who he was Robert uh, Johnson in a bar fight. He was involved with uh someone's wife who he shouldn't have been involved with and, and uh, the alcohol is involved yeah. and that's always messy. That was the end Jeez, of it. it's pretty yeah. He was yeah. rock and roll. Let's go. Was he 27? Yeah. He was the first member of the 27 yeah. club. Look at us. Oh, we yeah. we know something. Yeah. Rock and roll conspiracies. Yeah, put, all, put all the brains together. Yeah, yeah there we go. <laughs> it might not be right, but it sounds good. It's the most educational thing we've ever talked about. I apologize. <laughs> no, we we you started and we just ran with it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway, this is what we live for. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I did tell you like we start with music and then we kind of stray off into stories. Yeah. But we've just, kept it music related. Yeah. It's just you know. I'm, I'm super into all the music stories, all of them. Have I? Uh, yeah, I've g- exhausted almost every music podcast I think there is. Yeah. Yeah. Now you got ours for all fresh content. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. I, it'll probably get through that in like a week. Uh, sewing at night. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. I'll need to find something else. We'll start pumping out more. Yeah. Right? Keep going. Just ramp it up. You gotta ramp get those numbers up. Yeah, get those numbers up. <laughs> but uh, you talked about the the Steven Tyler stories. Did you have any other like crazy stories from just throughout the years of meeting people? Like, you know, I'm sure there was. I do. I have a uh, Johnny Marr. Okay. From the Smiths, more. Yeah, let's let's hear it. I've got a I've got a story about all. I have a beloved artists, a few of them that I love. Jeff Tweedy's another one. Um, love Jeff Tweedy. Isaac Brock from Modest Mouse is another one. There's 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 so many, but I will start this one with Johnny Marr because we have a new Johnny Marr signature strap that's Ooh. coming out. Oh, really? Yes. Ding ding ding. Yes. <laughs> uh, Johnny Marr, I met he I got a call that he was somewhere I can't remember how we got connected. Um but he was in Chicago playing somewhere. I think it was probably through Modest Mouse that I got the call. And Went out to meet him, and I could tell at the beginning that he wasn't really, you know, that he... They I, All artists want their own time before, and they have to talk to enough people. I always kind of feel bad being like, oh, here's, I'm next in line. You know, I don't <laughs> like taking their time. So I try to be really respectful of their space. And um, and then we met, and we just hit it off real, right away. You know, I think more than anything, it's the passion that yeah. is, you know... This is what I want to do. I love yeah. it. I want you Absolutely. to love it. I don't want to give you something that you don't love. I want you to totally be here for it. And I want this to just make your day better. Right. And so we started that conversation. I went through all the books. I have these like Bibles kind of of uh, fabrics. And he went through all of them, picked some out. We made him some straps. He fell in love with them. And then we just kind of started, you know, a long distance friendship. He calls when he's around. Um, we'd, I'd go out to his shows. We'd bring him stuff, but where, wherever he is, he's just been a super promoter of our product, which he, you know, he doesn't, I don't get an email, but if I see him, he'll be like, oh, yeah, I gave this to Oasis or I gave this to whoever, whoever he's playing with. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of other, you know, large British bands that he might be running into. I guess they're not all over there. But um, so he would give our stuff away and then I'd send him another box. And um, finally this year I was like, hey, I'm like, why don't we just make this official and like, let's do a signature strap for you. And I'm like, I want to put your signature on it, your name, and all this stuff. So we have that's coming out. I probably am going to have that launch in like the next two weeks, and those will be available. And 
that's super exciting because Johnny was one of the first person who gave me a like an endorsement or yeah, a quote, for sure. mm-hmm. um, a plug uh, verbally that I was able to stick on some of our writing. And he was like, before there was soldier, it was a world of um, leopard print and skulls. <laughs> Thank you, soldier, for saving us or something like that. And I was that's like, so good. oh, that's so great. That is really good. Yeah. Um, so we have that coming out. I've had great interactions with him. But the whole signature strap conversation, which right now we're doing stuff for My Morning Jacket um, and um, the Lumineers. And where the whole signature strap came from was really Jeff Tweedy from Wilco. He was my first artist that used our product. And I remember meeting him and he was like, I actually had to buy this. And I was thinking... (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very <laughs> Th- much. Thanks, thanks for your support. It Jeff. speaks a lot when an, when a famous musician <laughs> buys something. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> These are just subtle flexes. Of yeah. Things, yeah. By yeah. The way. So uh, I had he had played on state uh, played on Saturday Night Live uh, back in I think two thousand seven, and had used our strap. And then within a week, the calls were pouring in that you know, are you the one who makes Jeff Tweedy's strap? And I said, yeah. Jeff Tweedy is using our product. Um, and then people started ordering it. And we were set up at a street festival in Chicago called Do Division. And at Do Division, his son's uh, Spencer's band, Tully Monster, back in the day, I think he might have been, I don't know, 10? They <laughs> were the opening act on a Sunday. So I roll in to wheel in my goods and get ready for the day on Sunday. And I look at the stage that I'm walking past. And I swear it's Jeff Tweedy on stage. And I looked up there, and from the you know from the ground, I'm like, "Are you Jeff Tweedy?" <laughs> and he was like, uh, "Yes, I'm Jenny from Soldier." Oh my God! And I was like, "People have been calling me because you were a thing." And I'm like, "Can I give you a hug?" And he was like, "Okay." And he <laughs> got off the stage, and I ran over to him and I hugged him and I told him, "Thank you so much." I dragged him by my booth. I like threw all the stuff off. I was like, "Look at all this other stuff," and then I had already thought of what I would. Do because I remembered seeing all the Jimi Hendrix straps and I was like it's the stupidest thing to have his face on it. Nobody who wants to wear that, yeah. you know. And that was like what people did for artist straps is they would be like it's a Jimi Hendrix strap or it's a Beatles strap. Here's their faces. And I was like yeah, but the Beatles never wore a strap with their face on it. So it just seemed super cheesy to me. So I said why don't we do this like a series and we'll have every member in Wilco have their own signature piece that we make and like you can collect the set. It'd be super cool. And so the next, he's like, well, I'll send my manager by later. So his manager came by. We switched phone numbers. And then we started making a signature strap line for Wilco, um, which forced me to make a stick bag for Glenn. So that's nice. when I started. <laughs> there we go. That's when I, I started. Leave them out. I know. This is how all this stuff oh, starts. I'm like. in the corner. Over yeah. There. It's a fully recycled seatbelt stick bag. Every one of those stick bags has at least one drop of my personal blood on it somewhere, which makes it, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, 100 times more valuable. Or or gross or something. Either end of the spectrum. Yeah, it takes a lot of pins. (laughs) I usually get pricked at some point, and then, you know, I, yeah. Casualty. It's a casualty. Yeah. yeah, and I do wipe it off so there's they're not contaminated. <laughs> but um yeah, so that's where that one that started. How about uh one of my guitar heroes is Dan Auerbach. Any stories from him? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's hope so. <laughs> Dan where again it was Chicago, some show it was New Year's Eve, they were playing. I remember I was supposed to meet them before New Year's Eve plans. Um, at his hotel, and then I was, we were showing him some stuff. I can't remember how initially that whole conversation started, but all of a sudden I was at his hotel. Somebody comes down to get me, and I'm waiting in the lobby for them for a while. Somebody comes down and gets me, and we're going up to Dan's room, and in the elevator ride up, they were playing Dan Auerbach's song. And it was the most surreal experience, because I was like, wait, I'm like, I haven't a total, like, 
am I going to meet this guy? I'm like, wait, <laughs> yeah. no, because I'm in the elevator with him, and I'm like, wait, am I standing next to the person, and this is his song on the elevator? I was like, and the whole time in the elevator, I was like, no, it's somebody else's song. I was like, no, it's his song. No, it's somebody else's song. Is he standing next to me right now? And I was just standing <laughs> this like, wait, is this really happening right now? And um, we got up, and I was, you know, got up to his room, and I was with his manager whenever we were talking, and um, he um, ended up was like, what are you doing tonight? And I was like, well, we're going to a dinner party. And he's like, yeah, I'd rather be going to a dinner party. And I was like, <laughs> you can come with me. <laughs> we can just walk out of here right now. You know, Just forget all your commitments. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, and then I think I saw him a while later. He wanted some um, Neil Young strap and came by at one of the shows on like a golf cart and was like, got a Neil Young camera strap over there. I was like, actually, I do. So I've run into him a few times, but uh was really excited i don't have a lot of you know i don't have any control over any artist or anything that they anybody does yeah yeah um so it's even more rewarding when they use our product by choice it's just like that is my biggest honor and whatever his new the new album that he just launched he was wearing this super tattered ripped to shreds a guitar strap that we had made him. And I remember when he asked me for this, he picked the one out in the book, and I was like, it's an original Dwayne Allman strap from the 60s and 70s, but the fabric that we were using is also from the 60s and 70s. Yeah. And it had at some point been in a basement or something and has water damage. So it's like you could just brush it, and it'll like start falling apart, which may be why Dan likes it, because it looks... Mm-hmm. trashed yeah. you know what i mean and, and that checks out yeah, yeah. all yeah. of his gear sense. you know we watch like some of the gear reviews of his stuff and like his guitars are like none of them are name brand they're yeah. all just some random pickups he's like i don't even know what pickups are in here you know we just kind of like fix it ourselves and just, it just fits his vibe yeah. Yeah. there's nothing i guess so that usual ha- about him so that la box that we were like dude we have to throw this away <laughs> because this is terrible is now like a coveted item because dan wore it I'm like, well, it's a good thing we didn't stick it in the trash five years ago when we were like, nobody's ever going to want this. Are you saving it? Yeah. <laughs> so I uh, I was reading on your website, you, asked, you worked with Fender a little bit back then. Was that you advised for Fender? Or? Um, well, we've had ongoing you know, conversations with a lot of okay. brands over the years. Um, because I read about the monogram, this one. Oh, yeah. And so that was one of my first straps that I ever bought. Mm-hmm. So this is a today, Gavin. My brother has it. So you can tell it's been used. But yes. you talking about all the, the fraying and everything reminded me of that. Yes, yes. So We it's, found it's, some of that original in the original Fender material and, uh, you know, just in the travels of buying vintage stuff yeah. and ended up making them a strap and sending it back to them. And I think it was after that that they relaunched that strap. That's so cool. I might have been tied to that. It may just have been a coincidence, but I do remember sending them the product. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was like 12 when I bought it. It was my first guitar strap. And yeah. I saw it on your website. I'm like, that is such a cool thing. Yes. <laughs> Full circle. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I think we've covered stories from each of our musical heroes, right? Mike got Steven Tyler. You got Dan Arbuck. You got Wilco. So. <laughs> all, of our, all of our musical heroes. Yes, all of them. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but I think we are just about out of time. But, um, yeah, go check out Soldier. Spend all your money on their (laughs) website. We don't have to tell anyone how good the straps are because everyone loves them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we try to make them indestructible. Um, And, you know, I have had people eat send me back ones where their dog just loved the taste of the real (laughs) leather and couldn't (laughs) help themselves and chewed off the end. Um, those are great Instagram shots. I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then somebody one time told me that they needed to fix something, and so they just cut it. And I was like, yes, that is the one way you can you can take a pair of scissors to it. <laughs> like, you, why, don't, why didn't you just call me? I would have fixed it. He's like, I didn't know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. There's, like, two ways you can destroy our straps. Give it to a dog or just take a pair of scissors to it. But <laughs> or just other, than that, it would, other than that, it should hold up for a while. There we go. Um yeah, speaking of dogs too, you guys got dog collars, so you can have your dog match your guitar. Uh, yeah, that was my that's my plan. Yeah, <laughs> yes. there we go. Everything's got to match. Belts, camera straps, camera straps. We started making recycled seatbelt messenger bags. Recycled seatbelt messenger bags. Yeah. What else do we have? Banjo straps. 
Mandolin um, straps I see in a bin over there. Handbags. Which I should probably pick one of those up because I got to get a strap for my mandolin. But. Oh, yeah. And some wallets. <laughs> I saw you guys eyeing my little. Yeah, we're, we're eyeing everything over <laughs> here. One of um, these, please. Yes. Yeah. It's like, well, you know, nine guitars deep. So you have to get yeah, a lot of straps. Yeah, but you got to. <laughs> Quite a few instruments. Well, we'll see yeah. what we can do about that today. I think all right. we, can all, we can all take home the strap. Mm. All right. Um, yeah, so, Soldier, we will uh, link that in the description to the episode. And it has to be spelled with soul. With soul. S-O-U-L-D-I-E-R. <laughs> yes. Um, best stuff in the game. Oh. I mean, that's that's just the the cold, hard truth, you know? Thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah. It's Thank you so much for coming on the now, show. Yeah. What? It's pretty much the industry standard now. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It for sure is. Which is why I'm well, so I've been seeing, here. too, like every other strap company now is trying to step to your level. Yeah, That's okay. It's you know why? It's because I'm not out of good ideas yet. <laughs> 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 They're always in my tailwind. What Woo. a quote to end the show <laughs> on. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, and then for those of you who haven't heard yet, we are putting on a live show November 20th at Low Res Brewing. Check our Instagram page for more information on that. Uh, like I said, Soldier, S-O-U-L-D-I-E-R. We will link that in the description to the episode. And, uh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you're the best. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you, everybody. <laughs>